Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be with you all, and um, excited to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. Um, I know that we've been doing a series uh, here at Every Nation Somerset West on, on the Holy Spirit. Have you enjoyed that so far? Um, I've just loved just sitting week in and week out and just hearing God's word just spoken, but not just hearing God's word, encountering the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the desire that God wants to bring to each and every one of, of our lives. And so we've been speaking about how the Holy Spirit is not a, he's not a, he's not a force, he's not just an emotion, he's, he's a person, amen. And, and he's, a, he's a person who wants to take up residence in, in your and my life. He wants to dwell in our hearts. And, and when he does that, he, he produces fruit. Our lives change and we become more and more like Christ, amen. Um, but then the last thing that we're gonna look at, I think, in a few weeks' time is, is how he doesn't just produce fruit in our lives, he actually empowers us. He, he releases the power of God to enable us to make the purposes of God known in, in, in the earth. And so I just loved it. I've just so enjoyed just experiencing more of God and, and he's doing something in my life and I'm sure that you can say uh, the same. Uh, last week, uh, Michelle spoke and she spoke about, uh, from Galatians chapter five, about, about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And she shared a lot of amazing stories. Didn't you love last week? I thought it was just an incredible word. I was so encouraged, so inspired to, to grow my relationship with the Holy Spirit and to learn how to hear his voice and to walk with him. And the, the opening illustration that she used, which is just so brilliant, we, she spoke about a three-legged race. Remember the three-legged race and, and, and how sometimes we used to play that game, run that race, and you tie your, your middle leg to the other person's middle leg. And, but if you don't communicate, it's chaos because this leg goes and that leg goes and then you fall over. But, but when you communicate left, right, left, right, and you, though you're tied to another, you can, you can, you can do incredible things. And the whole idea is that when we, are, when we are bound to the Holy Spirit, when we, are, when we lean into the Holy Spirit, when we yield it to Him and we walk with Him, the stuff that we can do with Him is astounding. And so there's an invitation to become a people who are friends with the Holy Spirit, to walk with Him. He's not just some crazy force out there that we don't know. He comes and lives in our hearts and we can do life with Him. So, so this morning, Piers asked me to speak on, on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is found in Galatians chapter five. But before... I kind of read that to us. Um, the thing that's really on my heart is that, is that today wouldn't just be about information. It wouldn't just be about, oh, that was a good sermon. I hope it's, I hope it's good. <laughs> but, but, but actually that, that God would, would come by the person of the Holy Spirit and do something inside of your heart that produces a transformed life as opposed to good ideas and three points to a better life. Does that make sense? And, and Paul says in the scriptures, I do not come to you with wise and persuasive words lest the cross be emptied of its power, but I come with a demonstration of the spirit and power. In other words, our faith is not in, in just words. We, we wanna experience and release upon us today. God wants to release upon you the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to break chains, to set captives free, to transform hearts, to change lives, not because we read a good book, but because we met him. Does that make sense? And so I would like to ask if you would pray with me this morning. The, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what I want. And it's not based just on, a, on, on the person preaching. God moves in an atmosphere of faith. And we can be a people of faith this morning that says, God, we here for these next few minutes. God, would you meet with me today? How many of you wanna meet with the Lord today? Experience his presence. So as we pray this morning, as I pray for you, pray for us this morning, I would like to invite you to position your heart before God this morning and say, God, I am... I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm thirsty for you. I desire to understand you, but I desire to experience you. Would you come and this heart, appear with speak on this heart, God, let it be a target of your love today and come and do something that I can't do. 
Amen? So won't you close your eyes for a moment? And before I pray, just with every eye closed, just posture your heart for a moment before Holy Spirit. And just devote your life to Jesus again. And just invite him this morning to do whatever he wants to do in your life. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we bring our lives before your throne. And Lord, we desire more of you. But Lord, we desire to give more of ourselves. We consecrate our hearts to you. We lay down our lives. And this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would come into this room, that you would move in power, and that you would do something mighty in our lives. Just, just pray this with me. Just say, come, Holy Spirit. Just, just pray it again. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we welcome you. We honor you. And Father, I pray that you would give me the words to speak and that you would anoint your words and that you would do something incredible in our lives today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna read from the book of Galatians and you might wanna open your Bible to chapter five. If not, we do have it on the screen for you, from verse 16 through to verse 25. And Paul is writing to the the church in Galatia, and he says this, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul is writing to the church in Galatia and a bit of background to this letter. The, The church in Galatia had come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior by by putting their faith in what he'd done at the cross. They had been born again or saved by an understanding that it was all about what he had done rather than what they had done. But then false teachers came into the church and they started teaching that even though you're now saved or born again, in order to still be righteous in God's eyes, you need to obey the law. And so, so they'd been saved by grace, but they went back to living under the law, their own effort in order to be righteous by God. So Paul comes and he writes this letter to the church in Galatia and he says, guys, what have you done? In fact, he's quite harsh with them. He says, who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? Why is it that you started in the spirit, but you've gone back to living in the law? And so in chapter five, he takes it deeper and he highlights to us that there's this battle that's going on between the flesh and the flesh is not this, this physical body. The flesh is the sinful nature. There's this battle between 
the sinful nature that wants to dominate and rule in your life. And if it does, it will cause the following fruit, which we read, to be evident in your life. And there's a battle between that and the, the Spirit of God that wants to be Lord in your life. And if He is Lord in your life, that's the fruit that you're going to see. And he's saying instead of living according to the sinful nature, he says you've been born again by the Spirit of God. Live according to the Spirit of God. And when you live according to the Spirit of God, He is Lord. He will begin to not only take up residence in your life, He will begin to transform your life such that your fruit will change no longer the fruit of the sinful nature but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So he sees these two fruits, the sinful nature and its fruit, the Spirit of God and its fruit. And the passion of Paul and the passion of God for us is that we would be so transformed that we too would bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but the fruit of the sinful nature would be crucified with Jesus at the cross. God wants us to change. Now let me make this comment. It's so important that when we read this, that we don't read the fruit of the Spirit as simply a list of good characteristics that we must now have because we are nice disciples. I'll be honest with you, when I used to read this, I used to think, oh, I need more patience. Come on, Mark, be more patient. I need to be more kind, be more kind. I used to look at those things and know it was the fruit of the Spirit, but the way I tried to attain it was actually the fruit of Mark's good decisions. And the more I look at this, the more I realize this and the whole gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not behavior modification. It's not about God coming and saying, I want to make bad people good or fairly decent people really good. That's religion. You see, religion is when we do things in order to be made right with God. We seek to make ourselves presentable before God. But how many of you know that Jesus did it all to transform your heart and your life? Amen's make sense? And so when I look at this passage, when I first looked at it, I used to look at it, I used to think these are the things that I must now do. But what he's saying is these are the things that I want to do in your life. And the gospel is the fact that Jesus came not to make bad people good, but to make dead people live. God's heart is to give you his heart. Jesus came and died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, but to take away a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He, the gospel is a heart issue as opposed to a behavior issue. And I remember learning this for myself a few years back. I was in a conference in Durban, a Randy Clark conference. Any of you been to or listened to a Randy Clark speak before? An amazing conference. And he has all these moments of, of prayer and impartation at the end of his sessions. And I remember going down to the front at the end of one. And I was standing there waiting to be prayed for and just encountering God. And I found myself just breathing at a rate like I'd just run the 400 meters. Anyone run the 400 meters before? It's, it's a killer of a race. Because it's... it's it's not the 800 where you kind of pace yourself, and it's not the 100 meters where you sprint. You've got to go as fast as you can, and you get to the end of that race, and it's like, <gasps> man, you're just dying. And I'm breathing at a pace like you wouldn't believe. I'm going, God, what is wrong with me? And I'm breathing, and I'm breathing, and I'm breathing. And all of a sudden, the peace of God came and hit my life, and all that changed, and I felt his rest. I said, God, what are you doing? He said, Mark, here's the deal. For all this time, you have tried to be right in my eyes and lived according to your own ability. From now onwards, I'm going to teach you what happens when you lean into my strength and my grace. And this is what Father wants to do this morning. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, I'm not going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is not about the fruit, it's about the Spirit that lives inside of you and the grace of God wanting to be released into your and my heart. So the thing is, we're all bearing fruit. 
It's not about, am I bearing fruit? The question is, what kind of fruit am I bearing? And whoever lives inside of me will result in the fruit that I bear. So if the, the sinful nature is still dominating my life, all those things that I read will be evident. If the Spirit of God is Lord, all the other things will be. So to change the fruit, what must we do? We change the root. And the root is who lives inside here. This message, therefore, is all about hosting the presence of God. Can you say amen to that? Guys, God has a dream for you. And it's more than you just ticking the boxes. God's dream for you is that not only would you experience his love, but that you would learn to host the very presence of God himself. God wants to so fill you that you would overflow with the glory of the king. God wants to so consume your heart and your life that wherever you go from every pore of your being would be the presence of God touching the world. That's the dream of heaven. God wants to reposition you from, from just merely surviving to living in revival. He wants to awaken our hearts that we would carry and contain his presence and release that to the world in which we live. God's dream for you is that you would display the glory of God wherever you go. It starts with the Holy Spirit coming and living in our hearts. So the second verse I wanna to read to us this morning is from the book of John chapter 15. Now many of you know, if you've read this before, that this is another classic scripture that speaks about bearing fruit. And so we're gonna read from verse one through to verse nine. It says the following. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. This is a picture of a vineyard. And I remember some years back, a year, well, about a year or two back, I, I do quite a lot of work in different countries and I, one of the places I go to quite a lot is Australia. And there's a church there I've been working with for a while. And one of the guys in the church is in the wine industry and he has recently bought his own vineyard. In fact, he bought a piece of land that didn't have a vineyard and his idea was he was gonna plant a vineyard. And so he bought it and I went down the one time when I was there and we went down and, and I went to help for a day and we were, we were digging out the rocks out of, the, out of the, the, the piece of ground and preparing the soil for, for, for the vines to be planted. It was the most amazing experience because you're watching this John 15 unfold in front of your eyes. The next trip I went about three or four months later, I, I got to help him, the vines were in and the fences were in and we were putting all the, the irrigation systems in to prepare those vines to be fruitful. As I thought about that, I thought, here's the deal. This is what God is saying. If you want to bear fruit, you need to be healthy. And he says that no branch can bear fruit unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
And you would have seen on this, this, this passage of scripture, the words kept being highlighted. If you want to bear fruit, remain in me. Remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. Remain in my love. Fruitfulness comes from being, number one, immersed in who he is. If there are keys to bearing fruit, I believe, number one, it is that we need to be immersed in who he is and what he has done for us. This last week, I was reading the book of Luke chapter four, and I was reading about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And I got to chapter, chapter four in Luke, and I was reading about what was the, kind of the job description of Jesus. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And then it says this, to announce the Passion Translation says, the year of Jubilee. I thought, wow, Jubilee. I read about Jubilee. What is Jubilee all about? So I went back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. And, and the story is told that back then, as they were preparing to come into the promised land, the father said to the children of Israel, here's what I want you to do. For six years, I want you to plant crops in the ground. And I want you to eat from those crops. But the seventh year is to be a year that is called a Sabbath year. In that seventh year, I don't want you to plant. I don't want you to harvest. I want you to rest and live off the abundance of the land. So for six years, kind of like creation, six years we're working, seventh year we rest. For six years we're working, for seventh year we rest. Then what I want you to do is I want you to count seven cycles of seven. And I want six years, one year, seven, seven cycles of seven. At the end of 49 years, the 50th year is to be called a year of jubilee. In that 50th year, you are to pronounce rest to the land. And the word jubilee literally means the blowing of the ram's horn. And when the ram's horn begins to blow, you are to pronounce rest. And three major things happen at that time. Number one, debts are forgiven. Number two, slaves are set free. And number three, rest is announced over the people of, 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 of Israel. And he said, I don't want you to harvest. I don't want you to plant. In fact, what you're going to do is you're going to eat off the abundance of the previous few years. That's the grace that I want to release to you. So when Jesus comes to the earth in the New Testament and he says, here I am, I'm coming, I'm releasing the word of Jubilee, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm coming to announce freedom, I'm coming to announce forgiveness, and I want to bring you into rest. Isn't that amazing? And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what, every single one of us is owing a debt, we're owing a debt, but Jesus wants to come and to cleanse us and to forgive us. Every single one of us has experienced a measure of bondage. Jesus wants to come and set us free. Why? Because he wants to usher us into the goodness of the Father. And then if you think about Luke 15, have you read Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son? How crazy is this? Is that the younger son, what was the thing that he needed more than anything else? He needed forgiveness. The older son, what did he need? He needed freedom. And God came in the person of Jesus to reach out to them, to find the one that was in shame and guilt and pain and suffering and forgive him and bring him into his heart. But he came also to the one that was bound by religion and law and all these things and to bring them into love. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to come and immerse you in who he is and what he's done. Because as you encounter the goodness of Father, it changes your heart, therefore it changes the fruit. Can someone say amen to that? You know, recently I've seen God do some amazing things in people's lives, particularly in this area. As, as Pierre said, we get to minister in all different places. And, and a couple of months back, I was, I was in Europe and we were ministering first in England. And then we went to, in fact, Every Nation Church in Belfast. And, and then I went to a church in Germany. And when we were on the south coast of England, we were in a little town called Chichester. 
Anyone been to Chichester before? And um, we were ministering with a few friends and, and, and probably about 20, 25 people the one night and just praying for various people. And, and we began to pray for this one young lady. And as I stood in front of her, people were praying for her. I was saying, God, what do you want to do in her life? And I, I, I immediately, as I prayed that prayer, it was crazy. I started to feel how much I loved my own daughter, Grace, who's sitting down at the front. And I felt this incredible sense of how proud I was and is <laughs> for who she is and who she's becoming. And I'm like, God, I'm asking you about this woman. What must I pray for? Why am I being distracted and thinking about my beautiful daughter back in South Africa? Which was a lovely distraction, by the way. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord said to me, Mark, because that's how I feel about this young lady. It's like, oh, wow. So I started to pray for her and I said to her, I just got to tell you something. I told her, I said, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but when I was praying for you, I just felt how much God is so proud of you. And she just began to, to just weep in the presence of God and just prayed for her. And at the end of the time, finished praying, I said, like, what happened? What did that mean to you? And she said to me, you know, Mark, many years ago, my father left our family and he went to live in another country. And he said, he took photographs of me and my sister with, but every time people come and visit us, he takes the photos and he hides them away because he's embarrassed about me. Oh, it broke my heart. And the father came to her that day and said, my child, I'm proud of you. I want to display you to the world. We prayed for her. The next night she came back and she walked into the meetings we did about three nights in a row. And I looked at this person and she was utterly transformed. Not because she heard a good sermon, but because she heard the voice of the father telling her she's beautiful. Went from England to Belfast. We had two nights of meetings and the first night I got to speak about the love of the Father and there was this lady who came in and she was, I think she had one of those kind of walker things and she really, she was not looking well at all. And she came in and she sat down in the front row and I spoke and, 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 and she just wasn't in a good place at all. At the end of the meeting, I'd spoken about the Father's love. I went down to her and I said, could I, could I pray for you? And I began to pray for her and as I began to pray for her, I felt like the Father said to me, Tell her how much I love her, but tell her that I want her alive and not dead. So I looked into her eyes and I said, I can't remember her name now. I said, I want you to know God loves you. He's proud of you. He's for you. And he wants you to know that he wants you to be alive and not dead. For 10 minutes, guys, I looked into her eyes. It was really weird. And I declared life to her. At the end of that meeting, she hardly, she could hardly walk in. She got up at the end of the meeting. She stood up straight. She stood up tall. And her whole countenance had changed. She left that night. The following night, we come into the meeting. And we prepare for people to arrive. And I look out the window. And I see a taxi pull up. Who gets out of this car? This lady. She's not alone. She's with a friend. She no longer has a walker. And I'm looking and I'm going, is that the same person from last night? She comes running into the place with her friend. She's bouncing across the room. I'm going, this is a completely new individual. What happened? She met dad. She met the father. Wasn't a good sermon. Believe me, I didn't think I preached well at all that night. And I'm probably not doing that very well tonight either, today either. But God comes and he touches people's hearts. We then go to Germany and this was off the charts. So, we had a few nights with a church there in a place called Bochum, and on the Sunday, we had the meeting on the Sunday evening, so the Sunday morning, we had brunch with the leadership team, and at, at, at the end of our brunch, we said, why don't we just pray for, for a few of you, and we had a moment, and someone just led a bit of worship, and we started praying for people, and there was one guy, and he was honestly about six foot six, 
built like a house, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, the kind of guy when he shakes your hand, he breaks it, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm looking at him, and we're looking at him, and my friend Peter's with me, and we're praying, and, and the father spoke through Pete and said, today I'm gonna do open heart surgery on your life. So we begin to pray for this guy, and this man, literally under the power of God, falls to the floor, and he begins to scream loudly. I'm like, what is going on? And he's screaming, and I just, you can see all the pain of years and years of oppression and being wrongly treated is coming out of him. And he's screaming for probably three, four minutes. It's crazy, it's wild. And I felt the Lord said to me, get down and hold him. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I get down, and literally, guys, he's lying there. And I'm, I, mean, I mean, if anyone had walked in, they would have thought we were absolutely nuts, which we probably are. And I'm lying on the floor, and I'm holding him. And after three or four minutes of him screaming, the peace of God comes. And I felt the Father says, tell him how much I love him. So I started to declare for probably five minutes, he loves you. You're not a slave. You're not an orphan. You are loved by God. 15, 20 minutes of open heart surgery in this man. It finishes, he gets up, walks out of the room, he disappears. I'm like, what happened? Oh my goodness, have we destroyed his life? Didn't see him again till that night. I arrive at the meeting and he's at the, at, I arrive at the back, he's at the front. And next minute I see six foot six blonde haired David come running at me, almost tackles me to the ground. He embraces me, he's kissing me. I'm like, whoa, this is a German guy. This is not normal. That is good, yeah? And, and, and he, he is just, he is celebrating, he is partying. He's like, he's, guys, have you ever seen someone whose face is glowing and radiating the love of God? What happened? His life changed, not because of a good sermon. He encountered a person called love. So what I'm trying to say to you this morning is that Holy Spirit is here to pronounce jubilee over people. There are people this morning who are walking in shame and they're walking in guilt. There are people here, because I know because God told me, that there's stuff that's happened in people's lives over the years that you have asked for forgiveness for, but you're still carrying around the baggage and it's destroying your life. Today, Jesus wants to come and say, enough is enough, it's over, let's leave it in the past. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, what was the last thing that he said? Does anyone know? He didn't say it in English. <laughs> he said tetelestai. And tetelestai has two meanings. One, it is finished, but two, paid in full. You see, we owe God a debt by the way that we chose to live when we didn't know him. And Jesus came, boom, on the cross, and he said, paid in full. He said, why are you carrying on living life with the pain and the struggles and the regrets of the past when paid in full and he wants to come this morning and he wants to release you from that number one but I also know that there are people here today who need freedom there's people here today who are bound by the belief system that you please God by what you do rather than what by he has done and God wants to set you free. There are people who are oppressed. There are people who have been through so much stuff and they're still bound to all sorts of different things. God wants to come and pronounce jubilee over your life. He wants to bring freedom to you. But even more than that, those two are not an end. They are a means to a greater reality. That is that God wants to usher you into the unconditional love of Heavenly Father. If we go back to John chapter 15, Jesus says you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. We've spoken about being immersed in him. 
Our lives changed not just through one encounter, but through a process of devoting our lives and yielding to the Holy Spirit day in and day out. So in the book of Galatians, Paul says this. He says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. In other words, if you want to experience transformation, how many of you want to experience transformation? If you want to experience transformation, the key is to not just go into an encounter, the key is to remain in his presence. The key is to yield fully and freely to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. God is saying it's not just about a visitation, it's about a habitation. Many of us come to church and we have a wonderful encounter with God and it's beautiful and there's goosebumps on goosebumps and the worship team leads us and we're like, woohoo, glory to God. But we go out the other side and the rest of our lives, we still, I don't mean to offend you, but we still look like the world. And it's, it's tragic, guys. I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to everyone else because you're perfect and you glow in the dark and you're amazing. But you know what breaks my heart? Listen to this, what breaks my heart is how many people can worship Jesus and even have encounters with God, but they still look like the world. Because they haven't understood that an encounter with God is one thing and it's beautiful and I love it. But if you want radical life-changing transformation, it's going to cost you everything. And it's going to require you to lay down your life and fully yield yourself to the person and the will of the Holy Spirit. Saying, God, my life is no longer mine. Do with me whatever you want. Change me. Transform me. Because God's destiny for you, Romans 8, is to be predestined into the image of the Son. We think our destiny is about gifting and anointing and woohoo, doing things. No, your destiny is to be like Jesus. And so the encounter that we have with God changes our hearts, changes the fruit, but long-going, lasting transformation happens when we devote ourselves to Christ when it's difficult. And God wants to bring you to a place where you yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a problem. The problem is that we're living in an age where everything is instant. Have you noticed that? We live in an age where we expect things to happen yesterday. And when God says something to us, it must happen now, and if it doesn't, maybe I didn't hear God, or I've had enough, I'm gonna try something different. Everything is instant. You, you, I can pick up my phone right now, and I can take a photograph of us right now and load it up to Facebook or whatever it is, and within seconds, the world will see what's going on. I can even open the Facebook app and I can press record or live or whatever it's called and we can broadcast this or whatever it's called to the world right now. So we're so acclimatized to everything happening now but how many of you know that the transformation work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not an overnight experience? And so the problem is we project our instant thing onto God and expect Him to do it now and if it doesn't happen, then Christianity didn't work. No, it, it does work. You just didn't follow the ways of Jesus. Okay, And so God has a pattern of developing and transforming lives that looks like anointing, transformation, appointing. So he speaks something into our lives. This is what I've called you to, and a prophetic word is given. And then we're like, beautiful, it's gonna happen tomorrow. And he goes, no, maybe 20 years. I'm like, you've gotta be joking. No, 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 I didn't sign up for that. Well, if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, I'm not saying 20 years. If you wanna be a follower of Jesus, you have gotta follow all of his life, not just the parts that you like. Okay, makes sense? So look at the Bible. God spoke to Moses when he was 40, all right? And then for 40 years, he was in the wilderness. No, no, you've got to be joking. I'm not going to the wilderness. Well, do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to change the world? 
Well, then you've got to be willing to go the journey that God has for you. 40 years later, he's ready to liberate the children of Israel from the nation of Egypt. God speaks to David through the prophet Samuel when he is 17 years old. Do you know how old he was when he started leading? 37 years old, 20 years. God spoke to Joseph when he was 14 or 17, something like that. You're gonna do this and you're gonna do that. Woohoo! you're all gonna bow down at me. Right, now we're gonna train you, Joseph. Are you with me? And so I wanna encourage you that maybe you are here today and you say, I feel like I'm in the land in between. Anyone feel like that? I'm like, God, you've spoken, but when's it gonna happen? Do not be discouraged because God is working something into your life. And most of transformation, guys, does not happen in the public. It happens in the secret place. Gift is one thing. Gift doesn't bring liberty. Anointing does. Anointing is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that rests upon a person who's devoted to Christ, who's laid down their lives and is willing to be transformed into the image of Jesus. The problem is we promote gifting rather than look for anointing. And if you wanna change the world, anyone wanna change the world? That's my dream, I wanna change the world. It's gonna happen when you die and then are raised to life in Christ and begin to represent him on the earth in which you live. So let me conclude by saying this. When the God encounter and our response comes together, fruit begins to change in our lives. And I want to use one little illustration. I think this is what it's all about. If, if my hand represents God and this glove represents me, this is what the Father wants to do. He wants to come and take up residence in your life. And when people look at you they're not sure if they see you or if they see him. And as he begins to move, you begin to move. And as you move, he moves. And they look at you and they see you, but they see you, but they see him. When you host the presence of the Holy Spirit, you change. And you begin to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is not a list of good things to do. It's actually a description of the nature and the character of God who lives inside the one who is devoted to Jesus. That's what he wants to do in you. I don't know what you feel out there, but I feel a, a strong sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit here this morning. And, and I believe that he wants to come now and take the word and deposit it into your spirit. And he wants you to encounter the, the reality of who he is. I wanna leave you with a scripture that's really touched my heart over the last sort of six or seven months. It's from the book of Romans chapter five. Reading from the Passion Translation, this is what God says through, through Paul. He says this, we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amazing. We can now, not tomorrow, not next weekend, not when Jesus comes back. You will then too. One of the things that we have lied to the world about is that all the good things are for later. Everything about Jesus' life was about now. And he says, we can now, which means you can now, what? Experience 
Not understand only. Experience. Experience is emotion. It's feeling. It's touching. It's the senses coming alive. Yeah? Love. We all say love's not a feeling. It's a decision. Rubbish. If I tell my wife I love you, but I don't feel anything for you, I'm out the door. Yeah? It is a decision at times, but love carries feeling and emotion. God wants you to feel Him. Feel His love. So He says you can now experience from the front to the back, the left to the right, every single person in this room, not because of what you've done, because of what He has done. We can experience what? The endless love of God. It doesn't have a beginning and an end. It doesn't, it doesn't run out. No, it is an endless love of God. That love of God is unconditional. It finds us in our weakest place, our deepest valleys. It reaches out, it runs to us, it embraces us when everything's falling apart. When you think like you're nobody and you've got nothing to offer, He runs after you. And He goes, let me love you today. And that love, it says, is cascading into our hearts. It's not drip, drip, drip. There's no water shortage. It's cascading. It's pouring with an immense amount of force and power and volume pouring into your heart like sitting under the Victoria Falls. Imagine that, but even more. And it says through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. What is the role of Holy Spirit is to bring the Father's love to a person's heart and heal it, make it whole, set you free, forgive you, transform you and make you just like Jesus. Jesus.